Welcome back to Season 5 of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and joining me, I got my regular CB Nation crew, which is Matt Aguilar, Janelle Wheeler, and Connor Casey. And we were taking a quick break for the Thanksgiving holiday, but it's Monday and it is back to work. As you can see, if you're watching on video behind me, it's Christmas season, so... We got to start the time of joy and cheer with a special podcast episode where we're doing a little post Thanksgiving catch up. And our big subjects today are talking about all of this crazy Superman legacy casting that happened while we just tried to grab some turkey and maybe prep some dinners around here. So what's up, guys? And how's everybody after like a little short break? Feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling crispy. Spicy. Thanksgiving is exhausting, man. I don't know. I'm ready to take a nap. <laughs> the, the tryptophan finally wore off, so I'm back at it. Yeah. All right. Well, well, it's good to see you guys. I'm glad we took a break. I mean, we all needed it. We've been we've been at it this year, but you see what happens when we take a break, right? Like we see we took one little break, one Friday off, where we're like, oh, it's Thanksgiving week. You know, it, it should be cool. And then we get all the Superman legacy casting in the world that we can handle. So. We're here to talk because uh, if you guys have not been subscribing to our YouTube page or to us on the podcast platforms, we were here when Superman Legacy's first big casting, the casting of David Sweat and Rachel Brosnahan as Superman and Lois Lane broke. And we had a big kind of bonus episode discussion about this and what it meant and what we thought it could mean for how James Gunn is approaching this and, and where we could be headed with this. So just to kind of bring us up to speed, and I think we have like a handy gallery reel that's going to be playing if you're watching this on video, which you should be because, you know, we have excellent production efforts these days. Um, we have a gallery reel that'll kind of go through everybody. But here's where we're standing right now. We got David Sweat, who we know from the movies Pearl and in the kind of miniseries Hollywood as Superman, Rachel Brosnahan from Marvelous Miss Maisel as Lois Lane, Maisel, I always get roasted over this, whichever. Skylar Gizondo from the Vacation Reboot in the Resort as Jimmy Olsen. We also have Supermodel and Victoria's Secret Angel Sarah Sampaio, I believe. I'm trying to say that word really correctly as Eve Teshma Teshmacher. Matt is a Teshmacher. Teshmachers. I mean, yeah, let's go with that. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> okay. Nathan <laughs> Fillion is going to be Guy Gardner. We knew that. Yeah. He's I'm now getting into like the the middle round of castings that we got. So Nathan Fillion, uh, Ed Gathangi as uh, from X-Men First Class, Darwin, the only unkillable mutant to be killed, is going to be playing Mr. Terrific in the DCU. Or Darwin. One of my personal favorites is Ant Anthony Kerrigan from Barry as Metamorpho. That's, you know, I don't think anybody's been mad at that. Connor, Connor is a Barry watcher. He knows what I'm talking about. It's no ho uh, Hank, baby. I can't wait. Woohoo! Yeah. Isabella Merced from Transformers 5 and the Dora movie as Hawkgirl, which was kind of another one of the more surprising, I think, character castings we got. And one of the newest ones we got, Maria Gabriella de Feria from Deadly Class, excuse me, as the engineer, one of the characters from The Authority, which is another DCU movie that we're getting. Okay. And we didn't put it in the gallery because it's not official and we don't want James Gunn coming at us. But it was also reported while we were just hanging out trying to get ready for Thanksgiving that Nicholas Holt, who was also in the running for the Superman role 
as many fans have speculated, hoped for, or said could be happening, is reportedly in talks to play Lex Luthor. So put a pin in that. But what do you guys think so far? I, I just want to kind of get your thoughts to kind of update our ongoing discussion from where we stop because I think this is very interesting. And I'm just trying to start looking at the kind of core part of it, which is just the main roles of Superman, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen, right? And the actors we have playing for this. Um, it feels very much like we are going into this and gun for all the weird and crazy violent stuff that gun can do. This does feel more like I would say a live action Superman, the animated series than it does like another man of steel, right? Like, cause that's people's main concern here, but these castings are very like, you don't get Skyler. I mean, Skyler is the one that everybody's been like, Oh, on, like spot on Jimmy. Dude about who we're doing. We're not doing CIA Jimmy Olsen, right? Not Connor, yet. you look like you're, yeah, you want to, you look like you want to. No, I mean, if, if you've watched The Righteous Gemstones, you know how this guy, he can play a little duplicitous when he wants to. But the moment I heard that casting, I went 10 out of 10, no notes. If you ask me, physically describe Jimmy Olsen, it, it's him. You, you, you nailed it. So that's, that, that's where I'm at with that. Overall, with the casting, I feel like, the introduction of other heroes already being active in the world tells me this is yeah. in media rest. We're not starting with him just well, getting you're jumping. Shot. You're like Jim Viscardi, your jump gun, Jim. But yes, you're very, you're very keen. It just means you're keen. That was going to be point number two. Uh, first point number one was going to be the tone of this and what we're going for. Point number two was, yeah, we're getting a whole ass world with this, right? Like it, it's pretty clear, like at this point, we're not playing around. Like we're getting ties to so many different things that already fleshed this out. And we were all concerned that this was going to be like some Superman origin story. We were told his kind of younger years, but as Connor's cooking and saying here, like, no, we are getting ties to so many things and I'll make Matt break that all down in a minute, but uh, I'm sure you had more to say, Connor. Uh, the only other real thing I, I had from the, the cast list is uh, Defaria as engineer. Y'all may remember this when we started ranking our anticipation for the different DCU projects. And my theory was that The Authority was actually a Superman sequel. I feel vindicated right now because if she's here, that tells me we're, this is connecting to whatever that movie winds up being. And if Clark's in that one, we're really just getting Superman versus the elite. And I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, there's a lot that you just said there. If you guys are just kind of new to some of this, like, yeah, you got to go check out. I mean, the animated, the animated Superman versus the Elite movie is is on Max. That's a pretty good kind of summary of what that's all about. Manchester Black. I mean, I, I'm, I just, are we getting? I need that casting right there. Like, I really need that to happen. Once that drops, if they nail it with somebody that I just hear like Manchester Black, and I'm like, oh. Oh my God! Like that's that's amazing. Then like yeah, I mean, I'm fully I, I in. But a, I have I, a name, uh, Carl Urban. J just just have it be. Wow, Dude, wow. we're doing the boys knockoff. Why not? Actually, I was gonna go with Spike from Buffy. If we're gonna go old, yeah. oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, right. Yes. Like, oh my yes. God, and he looks like me. <laughs> yes, right. Like Spike from Buffy. Yes. And if you're gonna go older, like that would be. The guy, he oh. just he still has that like 80s. Now I want that to happen. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's good. But um, no, that's but to get thing. us back to the point, to pull us back, like, yeah, 
it's crazy that we are getting like a whole world here, like and for so many different sides, right? Like Guy Gardner, you got your basic kind of like Justice League, Mr. Terrific, Metamorpho, Justice League Unlimited, Hawkgirl. But, the, you know, Hawkgirl comes with her own mythos that can be jumped into. Like, and, and as you've said, kind of like the engineer and the authority, I feel like this is already an interesting thing that's being set up, which is, yeah, who is Superman? It's almost like Gunn is having like kind of some meta fun with this idea of what we've all been warring with over like the last 10 years, right? Like, no, it's got to be this kind of Superman and this, or no, this kind of Superman. And it's like, so we're going to have a movie where it's like literally Superman versus this darker kind of version of heroes. And I'd be interested to see him, you know, actually have to come up against those ideas because it is an interesting way to reflect like why Superman as a hero is an ideal amongst heroes and not just within like the public sphere. Right. Yeah. Janelle, what are you making of all this? Like, I know you only care so much about this comic book stuff and how all the stuff we're beginning to kind of get tweaky geeky about, but, uh, what are you thinking of some of these castings? Yeah. I mean, I was, for me, like my most important casting is Lois. Uh, I, I did not like, I love Amy Adams, but I did not like her as Lois at all. So she just isn't Lois to me. I, Lois is, you know, the dark hair and little snappy. And I love Rachel in this role. So that's, I, I am most excited about her in this role for sure. And I always was. And, um, you know, it's really about the chemistry between her and, and David Corn Sweat, Corn Sweat. Corn sweat. Uh, thank you. Or for was, joking means corn sweat. If I know. That's know. what I keep wanting to say. I mean, I hope their chemistry is great. I do feel like he looks a little young for her as Lois, but um, but we'll see. Um, and then, of course, yeah, Skylar as Jimmy is bad, bad ASS. So awesome. Because I did. I love him in Gemstones. Um, and he's just got that cheeky, like, innocent smile and... I, I just, those are my top three castings. Those are the ones that obviously I care the most about. I don't know how Sarah Sempeo can act. I don't, I have no idea. I've never seen her in anything ever. So, <laughs> I mean, good luck. I, I wish she was blonde, but whatever. And then, you know, Nathan as guy is awesome. Big fan of that. Always was from day one. So, because yeah, he's yeah. Be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of, interested that they went with i know it's like a weird deep dive into dc but i'm kind of interested that they went with eve instead of um mercy yeah yeah well the yeah. character's not like yeah it's a weird amalgam it's not one that's not one character i mean eve yeah is, is it just a, so she could whip out a bunch of cybernetic parts and like start blasting people like is my point like yeah mm -hmm. but like she's really the, that character is not really uh, used a ton in the comics. It's it's mostly in the movies. It's mostly the yeah. you know the original Superman movies with, with yeah. Reeves. Um, but Mercy, I think honestly the the one the character that's going to hem closest to is Tess from Smallville, which was really a mix of that character and Mercy from the comics, and that and that like. What, you know, the one who has the drive and can go back and forth with Lex. And then also, you know, I mean, especially in Smallville takes over and, you know, can like do her own thing. It's like full, like all that stuff, the intrigue that you can build between her and Lex. And obviously we don't 
still have a Lex officially, <laughs> but uh, it'll be interesting to see if Nicholas Holt is the one that takes it. Um, but I, I think that that character is going to be very, it's going to be very moldable. It's going to be like three characters in one. And so if you do it right, then kind of putting someone who isn't as like vested in the Hollywood side of things and doesn't have a ton of acting roles, you know, is cool because you can, you can mold that part to be something you need. Yeah. I think for, I mean, just like uh, I'm really think like a lot of this will center on the dynamic between Clark, Lois and Jimmy and that whole kind of thing, like a scene of them doing like, on scene and doing like some kind of crazy reporting where Clark has to sneak out and do that whole thing is going to be awesome. But Lex and Eve and their kind of dynamic because she was a character that became iconic in the original Donner films to this day. You can just hear Gene Hackman yelling at the top of his youngs at her, you know, coming and being like, Oh, Lex. And you know, the thing where she saved Superman from the pool, yeah, you know, and all that stuff. Like, so it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Gunn spins that into like, because some of that is obviously so dated. So like, you know, how we spin that into a modern version is going to be really, really interesting to see. And if they play into the supermodel aspect again, in this kind of meta way about it and like, or something and she turns out to be like super duper smart or sinister and like kind of yeah. plays her own game. That'd be, that'd be fun. Um, yeah. So what do you guys think about the kind of DCU we're getting set up here so far. You kind of interested it in I it. I think it's brilliant think? so far. If it, so if it far. goes, if it goes according to plan and we don't know what the plan is, so it's kind of hard to judge that, but like, this is kind of what and we, monsters, you know that much. <laughs> this is kind of what we wanted the last time, right? We kind of wanted them to like seed all this stuff in the world in a movie without it overtaking all the other things that are going on in the movie in the central point. And if we get the right, just looking at Guy Gardner being established, your JSA is, is established and you're starting to also kind of fill out the Thanagarians and the justice league stuff for down the line. You're doing with that with like three characters and you don't have to have it overtake everything else. You just plant those seeds. Having Guy Gardner, in the mix and even in a quick introduction thing, or you see him go by and there's some back and forth establishes that there are green lanterns and establishes like you can even establish the sector stuff in there in a passing comment. You don't have to do this whole half a movie thing to set up somebody same way with hot girl, same way with Mr. Terrific. Like these are characters that are temp poles and even engineer as Connor was referring to, like you can set, start setting stuff up for the authority early. But don't, it doesn't have to overtake the core thing of this is Superman's movie. And this is going to be about Superman, Lois, Jimmy, and then obviously Lex, like whoever that ends up being. That needs to be the core of the story. But like, this is really being treated so far in the casting as the first tentpole of this new wave of, you know, universe going forward. And the casting reflects that so far. And if you handle it right, you establish so much right out the gate but you're not trying to cram in these like iconic stories with all of those characters in the same movie. It, you're not doing blackest night <laughs> with, with the origin of Superman. And then you're not doing like a big JSA. So like, you know what I mean? That's the mistake we went with before here. Yeah. You can I do think, it. Right. 
And I think that's the thing here. Uh, there's a couple things that I think are slyly kind of brilliant. First of all, let's just take a moment, a Zen moment, and just hear the silence of the casting of a DC movie being overwhelmingly, because the internet's always the internet. There's a guy in here already saying, like, you know, Game City Savior, we hear you going off saying Jimmy Olsen looks too old. Like, I don't know what to say to that. Like, I don't know. This feels like a, one of those gold, white, blue, black dress situations because that kid does not look too old to me at all. Um, but the point is, overwhelmingly, like, people seem okay. The people are hearing these castings and they're like, okay, I'm still with this franchise. We haven't had to burn the entire thing yet because, you know, of one casting. So, first of all, that's kind of miraculous because it's been a decade since we've been able to even remotely get through casting of a DC movie without some kind of flame war erupting <laughs> Two, as Matt points out, it's like the selection of characters. This is chess, not checkers. I'm seeing like it's nobody so big that it has to define everything. We're going guy Gardner, not Hal Jordan, right? We're going with in no disrespect, but Hawk girl, but not like Hawk man, Carter hall, which Carter hall, like all these right. other things that people get nuts about people. They're, they're, Picking from the right tiers of characters. Mr. Terrific, fan favorite character. Mainstream people don't know. Nothing to, it's a diverse, and all of their, we're getting diversity. We're getting women. We're getting people of color. We're getting all these things in here without, again, it's not like loud. It's not like, hey, we've done this thing. It's just everything feels like it fits. Everybody feels like they fit. And these are interesting enough characters to helpfully to make us all go, ooh, and make us like the hardcore fans be like, we have enough here for theories upon theories and we can keep ourselves occupied for days. And it's like, yeah, they, they, I feel like James Gunn and Peter Safran understand the time and the cycle and all. And even though we make fun of like Gunn on being maybe overly on Twitter as a now executive, like it's clear they understand the levels to this and like how to do it in a way to feed the machine and still make a movie is what I'm feeling like. Yeah. Matt, to kind of build off what you're saying, um, this all feels like it's a slow drip into what is clearly going to be a much bigger world. And there are an infinite number of reasons why the Bruce, Tim, and Paul Dini uh, DC animated universe was such a success in the 90s and early 2000s. But if you watch it from start to finish, one of its strengths was the ability to slow drip the amount of information on what this world was and how big it was and what it all involved from all different corners of the comic universe to where you start out with just Batman and by the end of it, it's Justice League Unlimited and there's so many characters, so many small ones getting their own individual episode to where by the end it all fit. We didn't start with Justice League. We didn't start with JLU. You started small and then you'd introduce Superman. You'd have Flash pop up in Superman. You'd have Wonder Woman. You'd have uh, Martian Manhunter. And then it was a smaller Justice League team. And then it was a massive Justice League team. If they're going to take that strategy, this could really work and work for a long time. Because that whole thing stuck around. Still around. Still around. <laughs> and as, you know and what as I mean? Damon says, and as Damon says, uh, one of our uh, super fans, Damon says, it's... Yeah, and then when they all got together to do something after all these different stories or just episodes that mixed characters back together again, it was like 
and they did a good job of still making you remember like you know where they had progressed so mm-hmm. if like yeah it was a booster gold episode then booster gold had to partner with wonder woman and batman for an episode like you know it, it meant stuff and it was really well done and yeah i'm liking that feeling right now and i hope when we start to see more like the actual production has yeah. that look as well. I know there are issues with the, you know, obviously with the Arrowverse and stuff, but that that aspect was actually something I always thought they did really well. I yeah, always enjoyed yeah, Superman crossing over with Flash, or sorry, Supergirl oh, yeah. crossing over Flash. I loved Ollie and Barry's dynamic. I loved when the legends would hop over and you'd see like they did that part extremely well and it made those crossovers yeah, Earth amazing, X. you know, yeah. I like Earth X is still up here for me. Like that was that was great. And they even did Crisis was fun. Yeah. So, yeah, um, this is what I think we. And, and, yo, my discussions on this go back to like screen ran underground podcast in the 2010s. But like how DC can do it differently than Marvel instead of one solo film. Like now we're jumping into a pool and taking a different approach to that. So I think we're starting to go in circles here, but um, a little bit. We still, everybody's still on board. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Everybody's still kind of hopeful about Superman Legacy. Janelle? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm extremely hopeful. That's the way we have to be. <laughs> I mean, no, that is not fun. true around here. But, but uh, it's, it's good James that with Gunn. My, I, have, yeah. I have faith in James Gunn. I really do. And it feels like I hope that they're a little bit more traditional. Like, I hope that it's a little less like dark and. Um, you know, I, I am excited and I'm so Matt, I'm so glad Matt touched on the fact that like, it's hopefully not going to be convoluted. It's not going to be too much for fans that don't know all these characters don't throw too much it like in right at the beginning. And I, it does feel like that. So I'm glad you made that point. Cause I was starting to go, who is that character? I don't know who the engineer is. What the hell is that thing? <laughs> like, and so I'm glad that, uh, that you have a good feeling about that, Matt. So far. Yeah. So far. I'm very, I'm very hopeful. You know, it does. We're going to be optimistic. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be negative towards the end of the show. So I'm going to load the front half with positivity. <laughs> wow. Okay. On that note, uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we got to talk about some things going on, on TV, starting with my Thanksgiving obsession, which was this crazy squid game game show. Stick around. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more when we come back on comic book nation. Back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. If you're just getting back with us, we just talked about the latest Superman legacy casting that happened during the Thanksgiving holiday, all the announcements that came out. So go back and listen to that if you did not hear it. Uh, just a quick update to some of the live comments that we're getting now. Um, yeah, I don't know if people are just jumping into this show for the DC talk, but, uh, yeah, you're talking to one of the people who's like the biggest Man of Steel fans around here. I know it was written as most, but, uh, I think you're talking about Man of Steel and yeah, no, I love Man of Steel. I wrote one of the first reviews when it was released on the like opening day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I called it that it would stand the test of time and said it was going to be a good vision of Superman then. And I stand by that now, but, um, that's enough DC talk for today before we get sucked down a rabbit hole. Let's go into what we I really got to hop off about here is this thing that I got sucked into during the Thanksgiving holiday. You know, during uh, these holidays, you got to find something to binge watch as you're relaxing around the house and taking it easy. And I didn't think I would, but, you know, 
I started seeing this popular article on comicbook.com about how the Squid Game contestants were going to be suing the production. And I was like, drama. And I was like, I got to see what this is about. So I was like, I give the first episode a watch. And about when the end credits rolled on the first episode, I, I texted a, a bunch of people in my threads and I was like, yo, you've got to watch this. I was like, the game recreations, meh, that's okay. I was like, that's fine. I was like, the human psychological experiment that I'm watching unfold, now this is gold and you should tune in for that. And so, yeah, Squid Game, The Challenge is a reality show competition where they basically put people into recreation of the Squid Game games and make them compete for money. It's And then they make them basically go through the beats of the show. They got to live in the dorm and a recreation of the dorm and they do kind of spins. So they put them through the beats of the show, but they put spins on it that mess with the people. So they think they know what's coming based on the show, but then there's usually like a twist or some kind of way they kind of lure them into it or put them in some kind of way that they got to do the games or get even get to the games. That is pretty messed up. And I got to say, I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. Uh, we don't, I know we only behind the scenes talk about our Netflix uh, reality show, trash TV obsessions or whatever our reality show some of us are Discovery, I know. Some of us are Team Discovery on this thing. Uh, I forget, is somebody Team Max? Does somebody watch Max reality shows in here? Is that you guys? Oh, man, I know. Me, it's mostly like, Netflix. Yeah. Netflix, yeah, okay. So, yeah. Island, Love Island, whatever that's on, Hulu. Hulu <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, okay, it was Hulu. It was Love Island, yes. Yeah. The barbecue competition? Yeah, <laughs> but... Um, food so Network. Good. I like the Food this Network baking competitions. <laughs> this was a rare time where we could actually incorporate this because it is squid game. So first of all, as I said, for me, it's the psychological aspect of this. That's fascinating. Some of the things that people say in this confessional are terrifying. It makes me terrified of people. I'm just like, wow, this is really like what's in your soul. Or some people are just so broken in, in this kind of just, Break brings out their damage in really almost sad ways that I'm like, wow, okay. Like Cozy. Mr. Cocky 432, who was just like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, I just don't trust anybody because nobody in my life ever loved me. And I don't even trust my own mother. And I was just or like, or the guy that's like throwing up because he, he yeah. feels so emotionally upset. But I will say this, like, as someone who has been on a reality TV show, like, you are so not yourself in there, but yes, go, you are. Go no, ahead. but you are not yourself. Like I don't just cry all the time. And on American Idol, I was pushed and pushed and pushed not only by producers, but because I was so exhausted, I was so out of my element. They cut you off from everyone, you know, and love it. You, and this is like 20 times more than American Idol. So like you are not yourself. You are, yes, you are peak um, losing your mind in general. Um, and so I will say like, I felt for these people for that reason, just throwing that in there. No, I mean, it is important because yes, we, uh, we only bring it up when you, when you, when you bring it up, but yes, you were on American Idol and like you have a uniquely behind the scenes kind of viewpoint on even what a reality show is. And yeah, I mean, you are 100% right. Like Those producers push you. All, they will ask okay. you those questions that make you cry. I mean, they literally asked me like, so how did you feel about that audition? I was like, well, I forgot the word, so it was pretty bad. And they're like, yeah, but like, I know it means a lot to you that you just want to make your parents proud. Do you think they're going to be proud of that? And I just went, 
So reality shows. So reality and, shows in general are a squid game, is what you're telling yes, us in, yes. in so many words. But yeah, no. Yeah. But I gotta say, like this one was interesting, and and yes, just and I could see why. Again, I got into this to see what the lawsuit was about, and I could see that. Like, I was like, oh my god, this is like one of those prison that a prison experiment that went wrong, right? Like, yeah, it's one thing when you're having to compete and lose, when you're competing and losing, and then having to still sit there get shot like by a paintball and hear people getting shot all around you and still compete, like while whittling a cookie. Like that's like, yeah, it's it is next level. Um, but the thing I think is the funniest thing of all, and this is what just had me dying, is the original Squid Game, like the, the actual point of the series, is is somewhat an anti-capitalism message. It's a theme. Yeah. It's like, we should not be doing this to each other for money. Money isn't everything. There's there's a moral kind of an ethical center to being a human like that you should be concerned about but beyond your own profit. Whereas this show, I do not feel like people are getting this message because even the old lady is willing to cut throats in this show. And I was just like, wow, this is not boding well for for humanity. If, and the throw up guy was like the most benevolent guy. And then the end of that was like, yo, we played that guy. And I was just like, whoa. If the lawsuit, like if the show can get past, you know, if like the show is still around past the lawsuit and isn't like a one and done type thing because of all the negative publicity right if if it is able to kind of get to that second season i would not be surprised if this is the squid game thing that continues on like the show will you know close out at season three or something or whatever but oh this yeah. sucker this thing could be around for seasons eight through nine because it because it is it is exactly the kind of in going the complete opposite way of the meaning of the original show, it it captures that I, I could absolutely see this on a broadcast network. You know what I mean? Like I could see this happening and just be a hit for nine to the show that I, I there's so many shows that I forget are still around because they've just been building seasons like all of the uh housewives shows all oh, of yeah. the like though i forget they they still exist and there's like nine of them and i just Bro, forget they're there but i was in a bar and i met that. a lady who had just come from bravo con and she oh, was yeah, asking bravo me do con. i understand what a con was and i started cracking up and i was like yeah and she was like okay so you'll understand bravo con and i was like no no i don't but <laughs> tell me i guess yeah, but, so uh, it's just I could see this sticking around and being a thing we're talking about, you know, eight years out. But like the original Squid Game that started all is like done with season two or three. Man, oh, I, man. I I weep for humanity if Matt is right about that. And we're we're looking at seasons eight and nine of this. Kof, I I couldn't get through a full episode. I won't lie to you. I tried. I flipped over to Rick and Morty. Turns out that show got a lot better. I'd say the last three episodes are the best that show's been in years. But as for this show, it's like y'all said. The original Squid Game had a lot of points to make about late-stage capitalism, how money can just turn you into a hollow shell of a human being, how you are, how people can be so willing to screw over their fellow man just because of the economic state we currently live in. And to take that, completely ignore the the messages it was trying to say, make the actual reality show 
and then just do it completely straight face. I'm just sitting there going, I feel like I'm an idiocracy. And this is one of the shows that's on because y'all completely missed the point by just making this the real squid game. I know nobody's actually dying in this version. Right, right. But still, it feels like if you were wanting to want to play the reality show, you didn't watch the original show. And if you did, you didn't get it. You didn't get what they were trying to say. You took all the wrong messages from it. You're and that proven, concerns me greatly. You're basically proving the end of that Attack on Titan anime, right? You're just like, yep, we're going to keep going with this. But uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, yeah, I got sucked into it. They're releasing it in two. Uh, I think there's another batch of episodes coming this week because I was I couldn't believe it when they uh, cut it because they do something real dirty to them that I was just like, oh, man, that is so messed up. It was so obvious. Like, I was like, literally, they were like, get, I don't want to spoil it, but they're like, do this one thing. And I'm like, guys, duh, come on. You know, don't, oh, yeah. don't grab a friend. Like, come on. Yeah, you know? no. In Squid Game, never grab a friend. I was like, so never. mad. I was so, I, especially at certain characters that you love and you see them messing up and you're like, what are you doing? Can I say this about the show, though? When we first started watching it, I was actually kind of disappointed and I was kind of like, eh, nothing's going to really, this isn't going to be able to scratch the service of like, you know, the show Squid Game. And I just don't know how I feel about it. Episode one ended and I was like, I mean, it's, you know, it feels like Survivor or something like that. And now I'm on episode five and I'm like, wait, how long do I have to wait for the next episode? See? <laughs> yeah, like, me too. When it up. ended, I was so mad. Yes. I was so mad because I didn't, I don't ever look at the episode numbers. I just binge. Neither do right? I. Yes. And then I'm just like, and then it cut. And it was like coming soon. And I was like shaking uh, the computer. I was like, what are you talking about? Now and they got me. Now. They freaking got me. No, but uh, yeah, they got me in. So yeah. I mean, most of all, this just makes me want like a new season of the actual Squid Game, so I don't have to feel morally compromised <laughs> watching yeah. it. But like, uh, yeah. I, I had a thought uh, regarding that. If this show uh, originally presented itself as a reality show, and then as soon as the game starts, people actually start dropping, and it's like surprise, this is actually the second season. <laughs> that would have been an all timer. Okay, that would have actually been, that would have been really good. That yeah, would have been, been a good. so good. Why are we not in marketing? We, we that would have been a great we way to introduce like, I'm not yeah, going to lie. We need to quit and become a digital like a uh, entertainment marketing firm. Right. That's a great idea. Yeah. That'd have been so. That'd have freaked people out. Like that would have messed people up so bad. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's an idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to keep it together. Uh, things that make people freak people like are going to mess people up. I mean, I think you're funny. I'm like the Joker. All right. Anyway, so moving right along. Um, Connor, why don't you uh, carry it? Because we did a whole Invincible recap series for all four episodes of Invincible season two. So I have I have cooked my brain out on Invincible so far. But man, what a midseason finale. Uh, check out that recap episode. But I want to give the rest of you guys who weren't on there, just a quick chance to cook here because I know Connor is a is a big Invincible fan. So uh, what did you think? And Janelle, what did you think? So honestly, I thought the big reveal with Omni-Man and the kid, I thought that was going to be the bulk of the second half of the season. I thought they were going to move around the sequence of events from the comics to where um, Sterling K. Brown's character would have been the main focus of this first half. And then we would have jumped to, okay, we're going to the other planet. Here's what Omni-Man's been up to. And here's what Mark now has to deal with. 
but oddly enough, they're actually taking this portion of the comic run fairly straight faced where they just go, no, this all happened in this order. So we're just going to run with that. It really feels like the, sh the showrunners, the writers, the animators, they made the series without knowing that it was going to be cut halfway because they do their best to make this feel like a halfway season point, but it doesn't really. It really feels like we kind of meandered there for a couple episodes. I, I did some digging. I'm pretty sure that it it was made as one season, and right. then Kirkman and other producers just were like, mm, let's just release it in two batches. Yeah, And it, that and was it, just kind of the decision made later. It, it doesn't and, play well as its own standalone thing. It's very clearly like, in order to judge this season, you have to see both halves. Because there's just yeah. not a there's just so much happening and not enough of it advanced forward for me to go. Eh, it was a good half season television. It's like no, nah, I, I, I still don't get the sense that this any of this is really completed. We need I need the second half to really judge what's going on. I I agree with you there, but I also think that by now I think people get like because it's been part of the conversation is how much this packs in and how many storylines they're doing, and I think people were actually kind of pleasantly surprised to see that instead of just another kind of place setting episode that like something unexpected and sudden and immediate and like for and you read the comics right yeah 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 see i think for i think there's a whole element to people still who like myself who didn't read the comics who never really fully we don't yet have a sense or judgment and about how brutal or how crazy this show can get until an episode like this happens where and here's a spoiler. You, know, you still don't. Oh uh, yeah. And that's what I've, and that's, that's, and that's what people, you guys are worse than manga fans. Like you guys, everybody who's read invisible can say that. Like, <laughs> you still don't know. Logan Morrison sat in there and said the same thing on the recap episode, but, but that's the thing. And like, so I think a lot of people for the casual viewers who, who, who had no idea the kind of left turns this was going to take, it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Just that opening sequence alone, you're like, Mark, you're like, what the? And then like title yeah. sequence, right? And then like in the midst of just dealing with all that, then you have this crazy fight that is straight up like life or death. You just saw these people massacre Alan and then you're just like, uh-oh, there's no real way out of this except, you know, it's going to be a battle. So yeah, I think, and, yeah. And what the show is still doing really well is where it improves on the comic. The silent sequence of Omni-Man just flying through the galaxy and debating whether or not to just let himself fall into a black hole. That's new. So that, and that hits like a truck. Um, yeah. All the stuff with Cecil's uh, assistant. Yeah. In the, in the comic, that's completely straight face. It's like, yeah, I'm not human. I'm just one of many uh, in the show. It's like, wait, he doesn't know what happened to him. And he's slowly piecing that together. I'm like, I don't know where this is going, but this is clearly its own thing and it's being done really well. And with Mark's mom, like bits and pieces of that got into the book, but they're letting Michelle Yeoh just have a field day. Chandra, with a wide range of emotion she's going. She has through. benefited so much from the show. That character, yes. Sandra yeah, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the in the book, she's just kind of there to be drunk and sad for a while, and it, it's kind of depressing. In the show, it's like, no, we're going whole hog with this. We got a talent working the voice. Let's go, and they do, and I'm I'm thrilled that they do that. Um, yeah, that's just just a note. That is Sandra O, oh, not Michelle. Sandra O, oh, my mistake. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, and it was in the show. And again, like there are things the show is doing uh, for adult animation that I don't think people give it enough credit. But like 
Yeah, that Omni-Man sequence they added is also like a direct mirror to the Debbie sequence right after that, where she, same thing, she's walking through the city, she's not, she stands on the overpass, and for a second you're like, oh, whoa, is she going mm-hmm. to, and you're like, and then she finds like a reason to keep, you know, kind of moving on, so they're both kind of going through the same thing, and it's it's pretty deep, but Janelle, uh, did you watch the fourth episode I, of this? I did, and I'm just, I'm so happy that I'm into the show because you guys know with like animation, it's not always my favorite, but this is the exception for me. Like this show just gets me so emotionally connected. And like, I just feel, I just, I love this show. I feel emotional. Like when even like smaller characters, something happened to them. It's, it's quite a big deal to me. And I think about it. Like that's a big gauge of, of how I feel about a show is do I think about it when I'm not watching it anymore? Like, is it still on my mind? And it does. It keeps playing through my mind. Um, I feel like I, you guys kind of summed up these last few episodes. Um, and I'm, I'm with Connor, though. I, I definitely need to see the second half, like, yeah. desperately. Um, oh, yeah. And now I'm just sitting here waiting with Squid Game and The Crown and this. And I'm like, can we just skip Christmas, maybe? Like, Right. I, I got three more quick notes on this. No! Peter- Peter Cullen doing <laughs> doing the voice. It, it, it's just it, all I hear is Optimus Prime every time he speaks, and I just can't help but laugh. Uh, I'm shocked Clancy Brown hadn't shown up in this show sooner. So when he does, it's like, oh, there you are. I was waiting on you. And then you'll appreciate it. But we get the Mahler twins scene right there at the end, and we finally get the run the jewels needle drop. Yeah, and we I made a big point. Yeah. yeah, we made a big note about that. That was that was great for the fans, and obviously. That was the real mid-season cut, was giving the fans their Run the Jewels track. So um, that's all we're going to talk about it. We have a whole series of recap episodes for Invincible. You better believe we will be on it when it comes back. And I get why they split it now, because it has generated more this season than season one did in terms of buzz. And getting people the Christmas holiday to kind of catch up, Prime subscriptions, things like that. Like, it's it's smart. And then come back and with a... They know they have bangers in this next batch of episodes and they're going to drop them and it's going to be a whole thing and we'll all be on. We'll be on it. So uh, let's move real quick through just a couple things on TV. I just wanted to mention Monarch uh, Legacy of Monsters because we were hard on this one. I was really harsh on this one and then I started watching more of it and it's growing on me a little bit. Like I'm beginning to, I understand why it exists. I, I'm, I'm getting into it a little more and if nothing else, it's Fun to watch Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell play the same character at different ages. It's what yeah. and like share the same character. That alone is fun for me. I was like, once that started and Kurt Russell actually came into it, like the show got a lot more fun. In this latest episode with them actually exploring things and seeing new new mutos and things like that. And there's like a real sense of danger. Like people can get hurt, people can get killed. Um, you're, you know, we've had Godzilla sequences and so. It's all right. It's, it's like Connor said. It, it's all right. We, I was really hard on it. The first episode was so weak. Come on, bro. Though that first episode was so boring. <laughs> was but um, it, it's it's at least something keeping the monster verse alive and fleshing it out. And, and it's all right. All right. It's all right. Uh, Matt, good burger too. Good burger too. Welcome to all right, true confession. Up until this weekend, I had never seen Good Burger. I had never, me and my wife were talking about this. She hadn't either. It was just one of those DVDs. There's a select range of DVDs when we, when we were in college, and this one missed us. So I had never watched it. 
So I made a point in my house this weekend. I was like, it's going to be a good burger marathon. So I sat down. I woke up. I was tired as hell on Saturday morning. And MTV had a good burger one plane. And I was like, you know what? Let's go. And I got into it. And by the end, I was just doing Ed voice and stuff. And so we just, the next day, we woke up, fired up Good Burger 2. We went right back at it. And uh, yeah, and... man, Good Burger. I can't believe it took them this long to do that again. Like, I know I'm coming in so late on this discussion. But, like, <laughs> so it's just like an easy, fun, lighthearted kind of comedy you don't like really get anymore. And like, yeah, Keenan and Cal were just, they're just so good in it. And Cal really is. I guess oh it was God. him just going through like some stuff, I guess, but like years that character is so good. Like he stepped so right back into that. Like, yeah. he, like he'd been doing it the entire time. And his kid is yeah, hilarious. I love because he's the same, and I just love that he has this little mirroring version of himself, like walking around, and dude's got like five kids <laughs> with uh with uh Ego Wodum. Ego Wodum, yeah. I was so happy to see her. Yeah, so and I had no, oh my God, I had no idea the amount of people were that were also in the original Good Burger. Like, it yes. is insane how many people in there. And this like, one follows Goda, up. You're like, what? Yeah. Like, this yeah. one is like just one big, like, Nickelodeon slash SNL reunion throughout the, oh, yeah. the entirety of the thing. Uh, I do like the sequence when they're like, oh, we should get all the celebrities together and do like a song for Good Burger. And then it's like, it has all the celebrities. And then Keenan's like, nah. Oh yeah, that was funny. Here's the thing, though: you watched the best one before you watched the sequel because I just, if this wasn't Good Burger Two, I would have turned this off an hour in. I was like, it, it's just, man, I was so, I like, it just feels, I don't know, it was, it was just missing something, and so I laughed out loud at like several parts. I love all the stuff with this Keenan and Kel being Keenan and Kel. Like I just like their their chemistry is just perfect, and I just love them back and forth in scenes. Um, the uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy who played the uh, Mega Corps, uh, Will like, Rell. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, he's he's great. Uh, Funches is in this. Like, there's so many yeah. people. Yeah, uh, Funches, um, Julian Bell, like yes, Julian Bell. It's so it's like so good, and there's some hilarious parts. Uh, I just. Overall, I was just like, man, I, I don't know. I, I I just I don't know if I could recommend it to someone who just wasn't like a hardcore Good Burger fan and they'll get a lot out of it. I thought the big reveal at the end, which I won't spoil, but like I guessed it right at the beginning of like who his sister is. And so I was very excited when like that panned out. Uh, but I don't know. I was just so it was just I was bored. There was lots of parts where I was like, oh, my God, can the sequence end? <laughs> Can we can we move on, please? I need to move on to finish this movie. Um, so yeah, it was it was fine. I wouldn't. I'm probably not gonna watch it again, but I will watch the original Good Burger again because was- I don't know. I mean, maybe it was something from people who watched the original and and like had this kind of special attachment to it. I literally watched them two days apart for yeah, the first time, I and I was that. like, oh, like this is one of the better sequels because the sequel felt like Good Burger again, just again, yeah. with older people and better production values. So, um, but I think like it I had some be years one of, of nostalgia anticipation. Like, yeah. yeah, I think I think that's the I me and because me and Anissa both sat down to watch it. We were both excited. Like we were both big fans of number one, just like that Nickelodeon era, like all that and Kenny mm-hmm. Kell and everything. Like we're huge fans. But then also Good Burger. So when she was like, "I was waiting for you to watch it," and then we both watched and we had all this anticipation, and I think it just kind of it just kind of like sailed 
sailed right through and I was it was bummed. But maybe in 10 years you look back and be like that good burger too is all uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe. All right. Uh Janelle, yeah, were you it was cute. You know, uh, I didn't there was, a movie. It, it, there was people it, in it. It, it, was, it was fine. I mean, it was nostalgic. I, I loved all that. And the cameos meant a lot, especially the people from all yes. that back in the day. That was my most exciting moments. Um, seeing seeing a lot of those people that I really looked up to and wanted to be exactly like as a kid. So, yeah, that was cool. And yeah, I mean, it was just fun. And it's the holiday season. So get nostalgic, you know, watch with a partner that may be the same age or introduce it to your kids. Um, but yeah, it's cute. It's cute. All right. Close. Connor, did you see this one? Did you watch it? Nah, but I, I grew up with all the Keenan and Kel, all that, all, all, all that stuff. Good Burger, for some reason, just I missed it. I, I missed the original movie. And then when the sequel dropped, I was like, eh, I like the skits. They're fine. Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, just to close this out today, uh, Matt and Connor, you guys have some stuff you wanted to cook on. So I think, Matt, you had a Power Rangers thing and then you guys got some something big happening in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So uh, real quick, and we'll, we'll touch on this. You can actually read my full article uh, on this on comicbook.com. But uh, right now, Amy Jo Johnson uh, has a Kickstarter campaign that's going with Boom Studios and they're doing a Power Rangers series that is essentially kind of a alternate history of the original Mighty Morphin team. It's called The Return. And uh, it's you can find all the details about it uh, by going on there. But one of the bigger things is that it essentially has the team like conquering Zed, conquering Rita, and then it kind of takes place like 21, I think it's like 20, 21 years later. And so one of the big reveals though over the last couple of days was that they revealed the original like character design of Olivia Hart, which if you hear that name, that you probably go, oh, Tommy Oliver, Kimberly Hart. And obviously she's also the new Green Ranger. And so it's very much a, it's a big deal because in the canon of Power Rangers, you know, Tommy and Kat were actually the couple and together, even though there was always this kind of big group that wanted Kimberly and Tommy to be together. And in the official canon and everything, it's actually Tommy and Kat and they had a child and things like that. So here, having those two like immensely popular characters actually seemingly hasn't been outright confirmed, but seemingly have a child who then becomes the next Green Ranger is very much a big thing within the franchise and comics, but it's also a big thing, obviously, with the passing of uh, Jason David Frank and that character. And it's also kind of seemingly acting as a, as a tribute uh, in a lot of ways. So a uh, very big deal uh, in the Power Rangers universe. I'm excited to read it. Um, she's, she's writing it uh, with co-writer Matt Hudson, And so uh, you can find out more details there, but it's a, you know, it's a very big deal if you're, if you're in that space. Uh, let's move into another big deal in another space uh, with wrestling. If you, if you hadn't kept up uh, survivor series was this past Saturday and uh, a lot of stuff happened actually before uh, the, the title hit the thing and the copyright logo and all that. And then they tricked you. And then they had one more surprise and it was none other than the return of CM Punk to WWE, something that has been, Rumored a ton. You've probably read at least 20 articles on comicbook.com about CM Punk since he left AEW. But now he's back so. in WWE. <laughs> Connor wrote a lot of them. <laughs> so he's been, he's back in WWE. Uh, he's already causing drama, which we yeah. knew was going to happen. He hasn't even been on another show yet. And we've already have so much to talk about with Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, all that stuff. Connor, what did you think of, of, number one, how they pulled it off, but two, just thoughts in general. 
I have a few thoughts on this one. First, I'm impressed that they were able to keep this as quiet as it was. People like Sean Rossap and Dave Meltzer were all over this story. And up until the final minutes before the reveal, the story had always been the same. It wasn't happening. For as much speculation as there was, given it was in his hometown of Chicago, the story was consistent right up until about two minutes before it actually happened. So kudos to them for actually pulling this off. People in the production truck didn't know this was happening. That's something you don't do. They're supposed to know everything that goes on. And a lot of them didn't know it was happening. So (laughs) props to them on that front. There was also a bit of diminished, like, yay, but also, eh. Part of it was, this is his third big return in like a year and a half. So it's just... it. Part of that is just law of diminishing returns. This is the third time I've seen this happening. This will not stick with me the way his initial AEW arrival did. Right. Even though that was a poorly kept secret on purpose. It's also a feeling of if you ever had it where you have a friend who goes through a terrible breakup and they say horrible things about their ex, but then somehow <laughs> yeah. they get it back together and you just kind of sit there and you go, what, what, what's happening here? Who, who made this decision and why? Because... Um, his feelings about WWE for a decade plus were well documented. And the fact that it's suddenly all back together and there's a contract that's been signed and it's apparently for multiple years, it's real, but we just, do we know how well it's going to go? That's, that's a big question, you know, and obviously we'll, we'll learn a lot tonight because he's going to be on Monday night raw this week. And I'm sure he'll have something to say. Um, we could obviously speculate about what's he going to do at WrestleMania. What's he going to do? What's his schedule going to look like? Is this a Brock Lesnar situation where he's only around for the big four? Will we ever see him wrestle on TV? How do they view him as a property now, considering a lot of injuries mm-hmm. in between all of the backstage issues he had in AEW? The fact is the guy was injured or suspended for more time than he was actually on TV. Some of that could be helped and some of it couldn't some of it's just from the fact that it's wear and tear on the body for as long as he's been doing this but more than anything i immediately thought of an interview paul Heyman did with the ringer it was i believe it was the weekend that SummerSlam was here in nashville so it would have been 22 and Heyman was asked about punk who at the time was doing pretty well in AEW. he had i believe at that point he'd already won the title and Heyman said that it's great for all of the excitement that he's generated in the big comeback and the fans are happy to see him. And he's obviously drinking all of that in his big question was, what does he do after that? After the right. initial shine of being back wears off, what do you do? And in AEW, we never really got that question. We got that. We never got that answer because nope. whether it was injuries or suspension right before he was going to have some sort of big character turn, something got in the way. Yeah, And I think there's no greater example than what the hell was going on with the whole real world championship thing. Yeah, When were he and Max going to collide? What was that going to lead to? When we right. never got that answer. The same thing now with WWE. Is he going to work with Seth right off the bat? We don't know. Is he going to work with Roman? What's up with Drew? I feel like the Seth one was very much a this is a work because yeah, I don't yeah. think any fight has ever been broken up because of Michael Cole. <laughs> Whereas the Drew one never made it on camera. So I think that one's a little more real. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's necessarily punk related. Yeah, I don't think it is. But then it's so it's really a question of 
He said all these horrible things about WWE for so long, and now he's back. What do you do with that? And that's a question I, that they have to answer. That is true, because we I agree. I well, okay, I agree on a number of points. And then I know we gotta wrap this up. I agree with um the diminishing returns because now granted it's different. There are yes, there is crossover between WWE audience and AEW audience, but this was also and this was in his hometown, right? This is mm-hmm. Chicago and all that. So there's gonna be lapsing there too. There's gonna be crossover, but he still got an insane pop for being back in WWE. It, it holds a different meaning. And likewise, his AEW debut held a different meaning because it was his first time wrestling again. Like it was, he was coming back to wrestling. It was, mm-hmm. it was a very special moment. Like I've still actually rewatched that. It's an it's a great pop. It's a great moment. It's awesome. So it holds a different meaning, and this will hold a different meaning as well. Um, I am over the returns at this point. So like, I need this to be the one to stick because I'm tired of all the speculation that's tied around it. What I will say is that um, I'm, I'm totally fine with when you're in another company, you badmouth the competition or you have issues with the competition. That's fine. Cody did the same. Cody took a hammer to a throne. Cody, Cody the, did the, the guy who's thing, running crazy. Punk was doing a lot of this when AEW didn't exist. True, but I'm saying it doesn't really matter. It's it's never mattered. WWE is always, I mean, you look at Ultimate Warrior, you look at Hogan, you look at all the things that have happened, and those people come back. They do. Bret Hart, like, it doesn't matter. And some of those are worse (laughs) than anything Punk said, because Punk's was tied to, like, legal stuff and all that. But, yeah, but so have others. And And it doesn't matter. WWE will, if it makes money sense, and they can do business with it. They'll they'll make the deal. I am surprised it happened here. I honestly thought they would push it because they don't need it. They, That's they the have other it. thing. They is, and I said I said this when he left AEW. My argument against him going to WWE yeah. was they didn't need him. They no, just put up record numbers at the Allstate Arena without him. He was at he was main eventing Collision when the tickets for Survivor Series went on sale. So if you're going to argue that they sold out because of Punk, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. It also shows that hey, Roman Reigns was not on this show and there were no expectations of him being on this show. Yeah. It did record ticket sales and record viewership on Peacock, which what does that tell you? The brand itself is strong. Guys yeah. like Cody, Seth, Sammy, Rhea, they're the stars yeah. right now. You didn't necessarily need Punk. You didn't need him. It is great that I do think I like it for, hey, we, we got him off the board. AW thing's not happening. We can do something with him. He's going to be on his best behavior because this is his last shot. <laughs> he can't do UFC. He can't do AW. Yes, he could go to like maybe Impact or NWA or something after, but like it's not going to be at the tier of being back in WWE. This is it. No. So he's going to be on his best behavior. Him and Triple H evidently had a long talk, which needed to happen. He's probably going to have a lot more of those talks over the next few weeks with, with certain talent. Um, I think it's, I, I want to see something happen. And I want to see him in a program. There's a couple great options on the board right now. You've got Randy coming back. You've got Cody. You've got Rollins. And then whatever happens with Roman. But, like, I want to see him do well. I hope he does well because I'm really tired of writing about the drama surrounding what he says and how he acts. I want him to just go out, wrestle, be CM Punk. I got my fingers crossed. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out, but uh, definitely stay tuned for more news because Raw is tonight and it's just going to get more interesting from here. So that is uh, that is wrestling. Kofi. 
Thanks, boys. And as you can see, even in our little catch-up episode today, we've done quite a bit of geek culture coverage. We've been in the DC verse. We've talked about a lot of different shows, and we have talked about some wrestling. So if you are just now getting into Comic Book Nation, be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, all of that, and subscribe to our YouTube page and the main comicbook.com YouTube page where we will be dropping video content all throughout the week. This week alone, we have our Matt Aguilar show, The Pull List, where Matt pulls out several big comics every week. We talk about them in depth. We'll be talking to comic creators like Alan Scott, The Green Lanterns, Tim Sheridan, who we just did an interview with. We also have recap episodes for big shows that are coming out. Nothing now. We just finished Invincible. We're taking a break, but we'll be back next year with Invincible, The Boys, other stuff. And we have our regular Friday show, The Main Hub, that started it all, where you can find myself, Matt, Janelle, and Connor wrapping up the week and kind of pulling together all the big things that happened before we go into the weekend. But uh, this Monday show was also fun, so we might work this into the mix, too, because this was kind of nice to start off the week and talk to you guys after the weekend. But uh, this is Comic Book Nation, and we are out of here. Peace. Peace. Later. Later.